Live from Cool Boys Central. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. You'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. So cool. So cool. So cool. I see cool boys. So, uh, what are you guys drinking tonight? Dong sauce. You're drinking dong sauce? <laughs> I'm drinking something that might as well be dong sauce. It's called uh, Bud Light Strawberryta. Yeah, you're wow. always drinking some weird shit over there. What's going on over there? Four Locos the other night? I never drank a Four Loco. I would drink <laughs> a Four Loco like- if I could get classic Four Loco, which has like, I don't know what was in it, but it was a bunch of energy supplements and something in the original Four Loco, and then they had to change the I formula. Energy, drink, and alcohol don't they don't seem right together. Uh, I don't like it. In college, I found uh, a little product called Sparks. and uh, I remember Sparks. Yeah, Sparks, Sparks changed yeah. my life. You mean I can get drunk and be energetic? Wow. <laughs> Sparks was great for road trips. Noli, what are you drinking tonight? I got some red wine going. Um, red, red wine. Stay close to me. Uh, I love that that caught. Oh, nice. I, <laughs> I am drinking, speaking of. We're going to get a copyright strike that was so close to the original. I'm drinking Earl Stevens Mango <laughs> Scotto. And Earl Stevens is the Christian name for rapper E-40. That's E-40's That's wine? right, baby. That's E-40's oh, wine. He loves that mango scato. All excellent drinks. Greetings, <laughs> cool boys nation. <laughs> and welcome to the Cool Boys podcast. As always, I'm Felk, and I'm here with... Ballard. Nolan. Greetings. 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 And tonight is a very special episode. In which yes. we are all caged up. Nicholas Cage, <laughs> that is. And we're talking about yeah. Nicholas Cage, his movies, his life, and everything we love about him. Don't forget his dong. And oh yeah. No. That's that's a, I think we can safely file that under things we love about him. Spoiler. <laughs> Unless it's really disappointing. All right. Well, what have you guys been up to recently? Noli, what have you been doing? Uh, you know, since we last recorded, I've done a lot of nothing, uh, in my life, just a bunch of moving. I'm in the process of moving, so nothing too exciting. Are you moving or are you unpacking? Unpacking would be the question. Yes. God, unpacking is so much fun when you're in the twenties, but when you get older, it sucks balls. Yeah. Especially when you got a kid and dogs and you're buying a bunch of shit and it's arriving on different days and you know how it is. It's fucking exciting. It's so exciting. Moving's the best thing ever. <laughs> Correct. What are you guys up to? Fuck, what have you been doing recently? Oh, uh, not too much since the last episode. Uh, I did venture into a Starbucks today. Today is a very special day. It's April 20th, which means a lot to different people. Uh, to Starbucks, it means an excuse to create a new crazy drink that's maybe a little sweeter and weirder than it usually would be called oh, the, I, I the Hitler. No. Yeah. No, called the Columbine 18th anniversary Starbucks coffee. Oh. <laughs> uh, no, called the unicorn Frappuccino, which looks like unicorn shit. It's basically a rainbow drink. I heard about this. And uh, yeah, I have not heard about this at all. I'm going to look it up. It's beautiful. 
the official flavor description is that it's sour mango, which is the bulk of it, but then it's got like it's, so it's oh. like yeah. It it looks Jesus like this fucking Christ. blended crayons. <laughs> it looks like a uh, it's pink and blue, and the the pink part's the sour mango, and the blue part is kind of a bubble gum flavor. Although most people say it's just it tastes like pure Wait, sugar. That blue is in the drink. That's not like on the outside of the cup or some shit. That's all. Yes. So oh, that's so fucking sick. I, when did I, pink become mango? It's dyed, I believe. It's dyed with a powder. Um. And, you know, I saw this uh, with a huge line at Starbucks uh, full of people getting just this drink. Asked the uh, person, uh, barista, uh, that I was just getting regular coffee from, what the fuck is this and why is this happening? And he's like, um, so people don't really like the flavor, but it's basically for Instagram. People love taking photos of it and putting it on Instagram, which terrified me. That's that's uh, that's some Black Mirror shit, to, to quote a couple Only phrase. available if you believe. But it's, it's a food product that is made to be shared on the Internet first and enjoyed by eating or drinking it like not even second, like fourth or fifth. The fucking photo I'm looking at, one of the, the stock photos or whatever they have at a Starbucks. This is the unicorn frappuccino grande $4 and 75 cents. That's fucking outrageous. And that's then pretty standard for their prices. Only available if you believe. And then the photo is a unicorn in its asshole pretty much just staring you right in the <laughs> eye. Is the unicorn's asshole brown or what color is it? It's black and white. Oh, yes. it's, it's like one of those chalk drawings that the uh, baristas do. Cause they're so fucking cool. So cool. But, like, seriously, this drink just looks like a, a unicorn jizzed all over, like, your Starbucks cup, and people are just sucking it down. It looks Sounds really delicious fucking to me. It looks terrible. Wow. What? What is it? What? It's coffee and mango and no, bubblegum? no coffee. It's it's pure. It's just pure sweet and sugar. And the I mean, the key thing is the key thing is that it's designed to be shared on the Internet. People want to share their little own photos of it. The the actual and, you know, it's. A day a lot of stone people, I guess, will be wandering into Starbucks. So they're trying to make something for them to like blow their minds and go, whoa, I want that. And I think it's only for a month. Yep. So wait, look at this. Okay, so the amount of sugar that you're supposed to consume in a day is 25 grams. Like, that's the general amount you should consume, 25 I mean, grams. And zero if you're day. Henry Cavill. And you end up, usually people get around 30 grams of sugar. Hopefully you don't go over that. This drink, the Grande, is fucking fifty nine grams of sugar. And the Grande you, is the normal size. Yeah, it's medium. Yeah, you drink this and you've had two days worth of sugar in one and like one like drink. I don't think That's the a, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't. From what I've so seen, people are taking three sips and throwing it away. They're they're they care about having a photo of it on their phones of them with yeah. it. Yeah, and the people who drink these drinks, I mean, you'll see they're pretty much obese. No, <laughs> no. Instagram has today has been flooded with hot, hot girls holding these drinks. Now, that to be fair, they're taking three sips and, and throwing them in the trash. But all hot girls always order the fattiest, most sugarish, sugary thing and have two or three bites and then throw it away. Oh, wow. It's so okay, Yeah, here's here's Noli. Here's everything in it. So did you try it? No, I, I'm going to try it soon, though. Just so to, this is to what's do in it. it. I'm going to take three sips and throw it away because I, I don't want to get fat. Starbucks creme frappuccino syrup, vanilla syrup, mango syrup, classic syrup, which I don't even know what the fuck that is. That's just sugar or I guess just sugar syrup, maple syrup. I don't know what the fuck that is. And white chocolate mocha sauce. 
Oh, sauce. Okay. Well, that yeah. was yeah. So basically, unicorns are made of Dung syrup. Sauce. And then the mango syrup it contains mango juice concentrate and passion fruit juice con- uh, concentrate. Wow, that's this is this sounds really fucking terrible. Oh, and sour blue powder. My bad. Yeah, that's where the sour comes from. <laughs> and the, there's pink powder too, and blue drizzle. There's blue drizzle. Blue. My fucking teeth hurt just like thinking about it, but uh. I have to try it, so they won. Blue drizzle is an ingredient. Yeah, blue drizzle is an ingredient. Know. Nice. Wow. That's disgusting. I, this, honestly, the bottom of this thing should be like a toothbrush and some toothpaste because it looks like it wouldn't be awkward in there. And on top of that, you probably need it. Wait. So did we? Did you fucking get it? No, you didn't nobody, get it. No, nobody got it. Okay. No. So no one's tried it. No, no, no one's, one's have tried, actually tried it. Yet. Well, no, none of us on this podcast. Well, someone needs to try it. Before the next podcast, so we can update our listeners. All right. Well, I guess things that I've done since the last podcast is a little follow up to the ASMR. So in the ASMR video, I talked about briefly about my daughter and she was uh, stuck on a particular episode of Justice League because she saw the episode. She saw this one episode of part two where it's like a schism within the Justice League and they break up. And then by the end of it, they come together, but Superman doesn't come back with them, really. He's kind of uh, nervous. And in the very beginning of the next episode, Superman dies. And my daughter had a big – I don't know if I talked to you about this, Noli, but my daughter had a big problem with Superman dying and wanted to stop the episode right then and there and never wanted to complete it. So I finally got her to complete the episode. And what's fascinating is the part two is almost entirely uh, – Superman's perspective in this uh, alternate reality or this alternate future reality of Earth where he and Vandal Savage yeah. uh, end up having to save the day. And it's just the two of them fighting like giant cockroaches and shit that have like mutated. This is Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage He's is a, the – sorry. Want me to go? Yeah, go ahead. You can explain. Who Vandal is. Savage is the primary antagonist on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, the TV show. Uh, and... Okay, that's never mind. So, I'll <laughs> Savage. so Vandal Savage is a, an immortal. He's a, uh, essentially somebody who came from like the you know Crow Magnum era. Like the he's like a caveman, and he's just continued on and on and on. He's an immortal. Uh, he like stole his powers somehow. I forget from like aliens or whatever. And then and that and he's just that's his goal from that point on is to conquer Earth. So he eventually conquers Earth. And then he hates the fact that he's the only sole survivor, and then he's left to an eternity, uh, for the most part, um, on his own battling cockroaches and shit like that. And then Superman pops up out of nowhere. Anyway, so she realized Superman wasn't dead. Even yeah, though I'm sorry dead. I asked. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. So anyways, and she finally finished the second season of Justice League. And uh, we got through that, um, and so that was wonderful. So she, she can move on now. She can move on knowing that Superman – but here's the sad thing. So when I eventually show her Batman v Superman, I know that I'm going to be dealing with someone crying next to me when he like dies because her father got Don't show her up. that shit. Don't I will. show her that oh, shit. Oh, I will. Someday. Someday. Not, I can't right away just because it no, is there's gonna be No, there's going to be like five reboots by the time she's ready to watch that movie, and you're not even going to give a fuck about Batman v Superman. Yeah, show her Branded Ralph first. I love that movie. I like Batman v Superman. You are I so wrong. For sure. And I then do, you hate you. You love that movie and you hate Rogue One. I hate Rogue they're, One. <laughs> they're essentially the same thing. Terrible characters. No, they're not. Great shit to look at. You said yourself you like Ben Affleck as Batman. Cavill's good. Yeah, and Cavill's good Cap- too. He's fine, but Superman's a terrible character. The Batman in that movie is a terrible character. It's all terrible. I thought you liked the Batman in that movie. Terrible. I, he, I like Batman in general. I'm never gonna hate. I, I like fucking George Clooney as Batman. 
What? He doesn't really? even play Batman. He yeah. plays George Clooney. He doesn't even play yeah. Batman. Yeah, I love he how plays he George Clooney. He didn't even change his voice. He didn't even bother. It was that is fantastic. Movie. It is a great. It's a great like Elseworlds type of Batman, where it's George. What if George Clooney was Batman type of Batman? That is a fa- fantastic aspect of that movie. Plus, Batman and Robin is like such a great remake of the Adam West Batman. Yes, but except sure. for everybody except for Clooney, because like if you think about like the uh, I'm Batman from. Keaton and then from Bale, iconic. If the, and what was Clooney's? Hi, Freeze, I'm Batman. <laughs> Doesn't even change his voice. <laughs> That's true. It's, pr- it's probably pretty hard to act opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in that costume and that voice and just, you know. Hey, Freeze. <laughs> Everyone else <laughs> he, knew what Why would he say, hey, Freeze? <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't say, hey, Freeze. <laughs> hey, Freeze. He does just say, Freeze. Hey, Freeze. Avoid. Chill. I wish I could do Ice better, to see you. Chill out. Get to the chopper. Um, I love whoever wrote the Who Killed the Dinosaurs line, the Ice Age, <laughs> needs to be given a million dollar bonus. Dennis Miller, I think, did it, right? It's a big possibility, Dennis was, yeah. Dennis Miller wrote that movie? I know. I, he, he, he did the punch up on yeah. it. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to need a bigger cave. Yeah. Uh, that's That's him. I like the uh, the bat the bat card or whatever. Uh, Don't leave the cave without it yeah. or whatever. Dennis Miller is not even funny. No, anyway. he's not. I don't find him funny at he's all. He's like fucking terrible. The uh, bat card thing. I the only logical explanation I could ever come up with is that he says never leave the cave without it, and that's a play on never leave home without it, which is American Express's slogan. Mm. At least it was for a long time. But there was no there's no branding on it. It's not an American Express card. It just says golf card. So like, was it meant to be? It's an got a American- bat logo on it. It's yeah, a bat logo. Exactly. It's it, was it meant to be an American Express card, and they had to like no, change it Batman out? No, Batman has his Batman has his own credit agency. But it's not a it's joke. No, yeah, that, that never made any sense. <laughs> it's to a me. terrible it's joke. Just- so then it's only there as a joke, and that's just scary. I just wish it was like done in a way that like this like like maybe Tim Drake was in that world. He just went simply to the card and went, "Oh, it's Bruce Wayne's you know card done." Like, and then that's how he figured it out. But it was never Tim Drake, anyways. It was always uh, Dick Grayson. I loved I lo- his um I liked uh Chris O'Donnell though as Robin I always did yeah he's not a bad Robin he's fine yeah he's fine he's I mean fine. he's the best so, live action Robin there is we're we're talking about Batman let's segue back to Superman and segue into Nicholas's Cage's attempt at Superman okay have you guys oh. watched the documentary about that no, failed movie no I have not oh it's good you guys should watch it it's really good. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I've seen it. The only thing is that kind of distracts me or, or deters me, excuse me, uh, from watching it is uh, John Schnepp is like one of those types of personalities, and so it, that kind was of that, was that the director. Yeah, yeah, he kind of rubs me a little raw, and I've li- sure. I watched Collider and Collider Heroes, and he's on those, and he doesn't rub me raw in the sense that he says anything that I don't like. It's just kind of he's a little bit too nerdy annoying to me mm-hmm. and he plays on that persona which is fine it's fine and it works for a lot of people i mean a lot of people love him i'm sure but for me it just doesn't gel well and so i always worried that it's his voice in the documentary is it yes so every single interview he is sitting right beside his interview subject and they're framed as like equals so and it, wait I mean, he's in the same shot it's not shot reverse shot it's, it's john it, schnepp's in the same shot maybe a couple times it's shot reverse shot the tim, uh, tim burton's by himself yeah but no it, it, it that shot reverse shot he definitely shows up in like i think every interview and it's like you you could have just had all these interviews as as single shot talking heads and, and you know cut out your questions and have them that's do t- typical talking head stuff where you phrase the question at the beginning uh of the the interview subject like 
he did not need to be in a single frame of that. And he's in pretty much every interview and it, it does get annoying. And it is kind of like, this is a, this, this, this isn't about you. This is about Nicholas cage and, and the, uh, the crazy producer whose name I can't remember, um, who screwed it all up. John and Peters, John Peters. John Peters. Yeah. Yep. John Peters and Tim Burton. Like, why are you getting as much screen time as anyone else? And, you know, having your questions read on camera, it's, it's not necessary. I definitely, he's definitely off putting about the, the documentary, but the subject matter is fascinating. I think John Schnepp is like uh, I, I I mean I really don't like mind him like as a person and I I understand I think he's incredibly smart and very well you know versed in in nerd culture and all that stuff but it, it's just it's like it's the way he likes his sweaty and he says flavor all the time it bugs the hell out of me so I mean that kind of st- stops me but I am a documentary <laughs> nerd so I will yeah. see it at some point but one of the things I prefer in documentaries is more of the Errol Morris style where you don't even see Errol Morris ever. You sometimes hear his voice. Otherwise, the, the conversation is edited in a way that you never hear the interviewer you're, or you're not supposed to. And you just you get a, a, a narrative from the subject rather than the interviewer, you know, pushing himself into the documentary. I don't know what Ken Burns looks like because you never see him. But I know what John Schnepp looks like. Ken Burns I don't like looks it. like Tom Cruise with like a Beatles haircut. That's awesome. Seriously. I think I have seen photos. Yeah. Ken Burns is great. I love Ken Burns, but his documentaries are too slow paced for me. I love Errol Morris. For me, Errol Morris is like the epitome of the best documentary filmmaker there is. You guys are well versed in your documentaries. I studied it in school. Quite well, closely. Whoopty fucking dear. Oh, at UCSC. Um, and then the other thing I watched uh, in this uh, just just finished it tonight actually was a, a French film called Sky Fighters, which is a French like Top Gun. Uh, and one of the great things about it, or is like Nicholas Cage's Apache film. Oh, uh, Fire Firebird, right? What's it like called? That? I think Firebirds. Just, Firebird just the word think, French yeah. Top Gun. It's like Top Gun is already so fucking gay, which makes me think of France, anyway. So, Firebirds. Firebirds. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, Skyfighters is one of the great things about Skyfighters. It's it uh, it suffers that it suffers that it's a French film. First of all. But what does that mean? <laughs> it does. It does shoot everything um, for real. All the dog fights, all the aerial stuff is all done with cinematography and it's all in camera. There's no CGI in the whole film. And Best. that is great. So you get these incredible shots. You get these incredible acrobatics with the, with the uh, French jets. And it looks stellar at those times. And then it gets mixed into a weird, stupid, like, uh, like terrorist subplot. That doesn't really work out so well, and it kind of becomes like an Iron Eagle Top Gun hybrid near the end. Fuck yeah. Iron Eagle, though, is fucking incredible. Luke Gossett Jr. I just can't picture these movies being French. But that's why Top Gun still holds up is because they filmed those dogfights. I mean, obviously, they used models for the explosions, but they just filmed real shit. And I think if a movie did that today, you would instantly grab the audience and they would instantly – be attracted to what's on screen. They'd be like, this is amazing. That's a real jet flying by the screen. You can tell. Even when it's great CG, you can still tell. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Sky Fighters, like, I mean, has a fairly, like, you know, high, um, uh, I guess it's not that high of a rating. Let me just look it up real quick. I think it's actually like, like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, you watched a 50% rated French film that I've never heard of? That's so random. It's, it's so Ballard. 
It is so bad. It's 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Actually, I don't see it on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, my yet. God. I would never even turn that on. But it's from 2005, so it's like, you know, it's 12 years yeah. old. But they do they shot it all, at, at, you know, realistically and everything. And it, all the aerial combat, it looks incredible. Yeah, I hear the same thing about Red Tails. Red Tails is so CGI. Have you and seen it's it? So shit. Oh yeah, I've seen it. I've seen Red Tails. I knew you'd see. You'd have seen Red Tails of all of us. Red Tails is the only time ever in history that there was an all black cast uh, in a film, according to George Lucas. Yeah, we need to explain what Red Tails is. George Lucas wrote it, right? Uh, and produced it. So yeah, just to clarify that, yeah, and there was an entire subgenre of films in the seventies called black exploitation that had all black casts. But then Lucas made this one movie and went on several interviews uh, saying it's the first movie ever made with an all black cast for some reason. Yeah. Yep. But it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it was written by him. I think it may be a story by him. I think it was written by Aaron McCruder. Well, he called, um, he rewrote it. Yeah, that's the Boondocks guy. He rewrote oh, it after. Yeah. John Ridley. John Ridley uh, came up with the story and came up with the screenplay. But let's just face it. John Ridley must be like George Lucas's black name. <laughs> <laughs> he is a real person. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure. Wait, was John Ridley the director or the screenwriter? Because the director the was one of the Wire guys. And... Anthony Hemingway is the director of that. But also Anthony Hemingway just. He just really worked for Lucas in that because Lucas didn't want to make a film. Uh, I think at that point, I think he was kind of burned on all the Star Wars shit. Poor George. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the uh, another author or uh, another writer and um, director. Anthony Hemingway, I think, worked at um, ILM. Yeah. And I think he's directed just got some TV shows. He did The Wire. And. Yeah, he did like Treme as well and like Shameless, Orange is the New Black, Glee, Empire, and so forth. Now so he's on. directing Trespass with Nicolas Cage. Wait, what? Trespass? You mean the – is that a remake of the <laughs> old know. Trespass? I'm just thinking of my Netflix account, how there's like always like 10 Nicolas Cage movies in a row just stolen. Trespass. Joe. <laughs> like it's like all these movies I've never even heard Joe! of. Joe! Joe's supposed to be really Gee. good. Joel Schumacher directed Trespass. No, he didn't. Yes, oh, no, Joel- the old one. You're talking. You're talking about the old one with Ice T. No, I'm talking about Trespass from 2011 with Nicolas Cage. Oh, he, Joel Schumacher directed that. Yeah, he directed Trespass with Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman in 2011. That was oh, called what? Yeah, what was that? What the fuck was that? It was about they were a married couple and someone breaks into their home, and probably stuff ensues. I didn't see you it. You should probably you should probably roll into the main show topic now. Yeah, well, I guess so. We're pretty much already into it, but speaking of fabulous movies <laughs> starring a fabulous man, let's move on to our cool boys show topic. Report preliminary findings. Not worried about her. We got to keep him gagged. Cool boy nation, pop your cocks and drop your tops. It might be interesting and important for you to know. It's time for our cool boy show topic. Hey, I like that. Spoilers. No so cool. Yes, caged up. Caged up. Nicholas. Cage it. Cage. Yes, Nicholas Cage, if you believe his fake body and Ghost Rider, still looks fabulous for a man of 75 years old. Did he have a fake body in Ghost Rider? It's, have you, do, you, do you remember it? He stares in the mirror for one shot and one shot only shirtless and is just ripped. And there's no way. I mean, he's. we've already seen that he's pretty much bald at that point. He has a full head of hair and a body that looks like it's 25 years old and spends every day at the gym. It's, and it looks kind of like it's made of plastic. 
he was he's he was kind of buff though for a while. I think I think yeah. it might have been his own body. I think he got in shape for that one movie. I think if he did it now, it would definitely be a CGI body. I don't think Nick Cage was buff in any film other than Con Air. I think he just had like a swimmer's physique mostly, right? I mean, like he was face off, kind of he's like, pretty buff. In in Con Air, he's pretty buff too. Yeah, I said Con Air. Yeah, no, but face off, really. Um, yeah, well, I just, I just, I just, before we get into our, so this segment is going to be a top five of what we consider our favorite and or best Nick Cage films. But before I get into our top five, I just want to read real quickly the tagline for Trespass. Okay. As they're held for ransom, a husband and wife's predicament grows more dire amid the discovery of betrayal and deception. Ew. Does that get any of you guys hard? I'm kind of hard. I just sent you guys the uh, fake body uh, from Ghost Rider for edification. I see it. Oh, yeah. yeah it does look weird. It's it real does. shiny. It's only one shot. It just looks like it's made of paper mache I think, or rubber. I think they just they lit him very well. I think he's a muscular guy. But, yeah, he might have fake abs on or something. I don't know. It's, it does look weird. Well, here's the thing they do. So one of the things they uh, some people have talked about, like um, – uh, Jake Gyllenhaal has talked about this for Southpaw, and uh, I'm, I'm losing my mind right now on who the other person was. Um, what they do is they do this apparently this crash diet, and they shoot lo- those sequences like first in the film, like the very first time they have like the actor, they shoot them after the crash diet where they, they suck all the water out of their bodies. It's similar right. to what fighters do. And then they get them like, you know, looking incredible for like a week. And then they just let them get like kind of chubby again as they film all the rest of the dramatic sequences and all the drama scenes and whatever. So Henry Cavill did that for Superman. Yeah. I mean, except I think he had to do it a little bit more just because he was in the suit for longer. But yeah, they do try to, they do try to schedule the shoot around their body. So they're like, all right, let's get you hard for like six months to three years, yeah, whatever think, it is. And then boom. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans both shot like their shirtless scenes. Like first, it's like the first thing you yeah. shoot. Like I've been working out for 10 months. Let's get this shit over with. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then they move on from there at that point. Yeah. So like pr- probably Chris Evans even did like a whole bunch of pushups before civil war when he's grabbing on the helicopter just to get those biceps. So fucking on point. Oh yeah. That's an old trick. You do that trick yeah. all the time. <laughs> I remember somebody pumping a little little iron right before he stepped into the shoes of a man named Sergio. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I don't think John Sex uh, no. ever pumped <laughs> up before a scene. In fact, I think John Sex didn't even work out or even like prep, prep running. So when you would see him, the edit would start just as John Sex started running. That's when the edit would start. So that way <laughs> it looked awkward as fuck. And plus, John Sex was wearing like five like pound boots, so... That was mm-hmm. always wonderful. Well, let's get into our top five of Nick Cage. Yes, let's so, do it. All right, who wants to start it off? Well, my list is maybe not his best films. It doesn't have maybe to be it, just your favorite. Maybe it's his worst films, and they're not necessarily oh, my geez. favorites at all, except for maybe you the picked, top three. Wait, you picked his worst films? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can have any top five Nicolas Cage list without starting with the amazing Second collaboration with John Woo, Wind Talkers. Fuck you. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. Really? We're going to go Wind Talkers off the bat? I was going to save that for later just because of, the, of uh, I, that's when I met Nick Cage was on Wind Talkers. Um, Wind Talkers is terrible. Wind Talkers is terrible, and I actually had to tell Nick Cage it was terrible in person. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. You might as well just get into that right now. Oh, wow. I guess just get into it real quick. Okay, so yeah. So anyways, uh, when I was in uh, film school, we watched Wind Talkers. 
uh, one day for class and the entire movie, the entire classroom of like 200 people are making fun of the movie as we're watching it. We're laughing at scenes that are dramatic and are supposed to be pulling tears. They're pulling tears of laughter from the entire audience. <laughs> and they're like, there's unnecessary Kung Fu roles in it and all this other shit in the movie. Samurai swords. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a it's a it's a very fictionalized telling of the Pacific uh, battle, the Pacific theater of World War Two. And so we're laughing our fucking asses at it. And then all of a sudden, our teacher at the end of the movie, he's just like, it's hot in here. And he opens up the door, you know, to let some air in. And Nick Cage comes walking in and the entire classroom, all of a sudden, the entire lecture hall is just suddenly silenced because we all realize he was outside the door listening to us mock him. And his movie that he took really seriously. And so then I eventually had time to ask him a question. Said First of all, I said I loved him in Fast <laughs> Times at Ridgemont High, which he did not care for me saying that whatsoever. And Because um, he, he got Nicholas, cut from that, right? No, he's in the background. I mean, in a couple yeah. of shots. And, he, and he's on the credits as Nicholas Coppola. And, uh, and then I t- asked him, did he draw any inspiration from any real characters like Tom Hanks did for Saving Private Ryan? I guess that's like a big faux pas when you ask an actor and you compare him to another actor that's better. So (laughs) (laughs) he didn't really like that at all. He gave me a real shit answer. I I really don't call it because during the answer he's giving me, I look over at my professor and he is fucking mean mugging me like big time. Like my professor was not okay at all with what I was saying, what I was asking and the the manner in which I was asking. Of course, I was getting elbowed the whole time by my buddies because they thought it was the coolest fucking shit ever that I was essentially (laughs) going at Nick Cage. But I respect Nick Cage. I really do love him. I, I grew up watching Nick Cage stuff. So I guess I can go next with um, with my top five then after that. Uh, so my number five is The Family Man. Are you going uh, five up then? That's not your one. Uh, right? Well, no, no, it's not my one. It's my worst five. So, yeah, one would be the last one, I think. Okay. So, yeah, so Family Man for me is something I watch every year with the kids for Christmas. It's just a – it's just – I, it's my introduction to Nick Cage for them, and at some point I will introduce them to my top one, uh, my number one seat, which I won't get into right now, because uh, that's the movie that I grew up with, his, my number one seat. But um, I like Family Man. It's ridiculous. It's about Nick Cage being rich, and then one day he's not rich, and he's got a family, and he's a family man. It's basically man. A, a Scrooge movie with Nick it Cage is. in it, right? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a take on A Christmas Carol, and the main reason I have uh, a place in my heart for this really fucking dumb film is so I had an edema on my dick a long time ago <laughs> and and what I and while I was having this edema I I needed a distraction and there were only two films in the library <laughs> at my house uh from my roommate that I hadn't seen and one was Sweet November starring Charlize Theron and Keanu Reeves mm, Keanu. and the other one was Family Man and so both those films have a special place in my heart because they were the only thing preventing me from thinking about my dick which looked like a doorknob and was dripping <laughs> from the skin, not from the tip, Jesus but from Christ. the skin okay. because it was what the doctor referred to as weeping. Uh, turns out I'm allergic to vitamin E and lots of <laughs> lotions have vitamin E in it. So don't jack off with vitamin E lotions if you are allergic to vitamin E is the lesson I learned. That's also a topic for a whole other show, Michael's edema. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I stained a bathrobe that day in weird orange, reddish brown color. I don't. I don't know how Whoa. to how to follow up to that. If, yeah, I, if no. I'm going next, Falk, what is your five? Um, my, okay, well, going up, I guess no, my number five. I was prepared to talk about number one is knowing. 
Alex Proyas's last great no, film. No, is great. Nicholas Cage's no, last sucks. good film in theaters, if unless you count no. uh, Kick-Ass, kind of. Um, no, I wouldn't count Kick-Ass, but just real quickly, on uh, before you say that, the only thing I know that might be wrong with that statement about it being his last great film, which I do kind of agree with because it's the last great film I've seen, is that Joe, which is uh, done oh, by okay. David Gordon Green, is supposed to be really fucking good, and I haven't seen that movie yet, but, but that is supposed to be a I great seen it movie. I heard it was good too, but I heard Outcast with Hayden Christensen was like the tits. Wait, what? I never heard that. Is that is I, Nicolas Cage in Outcast? What, what, how is that? I watched the trailer. It looked amazing. I haven't seen the film though. Okay. Um, is Nicholas Shattered Glass? I heard it was good, but I haven't heard of Outcast was good. Wait, is Nicolas Cage in Outcast? Yeah, it's like a fucking Templar Crusader film, like. What? It's, knight, it's knights and <laughs> Nicholas Cage is like his like mentor or something, and he's got a great long black hair with his balding scalp just exposed. I'm not seeing this online. It's called Outcast because apparently it came out in 2014. It's or it was made in 2014. Is it just coming out now? Yes. No, it came out. It came out a few years ago. Oh. Oh my God! What the fuck is this? This looks amazing. <laughs> Watch the trailer when you have some free time. It'll blow your mind. So for my number four. Oh, well, yeah, you know, actually, Felk, yeah, you didn't even talk about knowing. Go ahead. Uh, it just it's it's a it's a well-made film. I mean, it's it's Proyas's last movie. The guy who did Dark, uh, Dark City. Dark City. Sorry. And he uh, fucking sucks. And the crow and the crow. Yeah, and the crow. And now has made, you know, the, the weird Egypt gods movie that nobody liked. Yeah, he fucking sucks. And I robots. Proyas, I would say the Dark City is incredible it's a masterpiece. and the only reason dark city is not is not as well known is because the matrix came out right afterwards and took everything dark city had and not not directly like they stole it but it took on a theme and and in a zeitgeist level it took everything the matrix uh, the matrix had took everything from the dark city and that no one saw dark city because of that but dark city is great i love it is dark good. city and the crow's okay it's very overrated but i do like it the crow uh, is kind of ruined by like the uh, unnecessary sequels. Yeah, and yes, the, totally. And considering it's uh, you know how many movies have their lead actors die in the making yeah. of it? That, that yeah. in the seventh Fast and the no, Furious. No, no, he and, didn't die in the making of it. He died in another film. It was, they, Brendan they Lee died. Brendan Lee left. died making the crow. He died making the crow. I, I've seen the specific scene that they were they were filming, and it's a scene that's in the yes. crow. It's where he's like uh, showing up to that junkie, the, the the mom of the girl he becomes friends with. Are his friends with yeah and it's a blonde guy the blonde junkie is the one that shot him and he said to this day like it's still haunts him that he was the guy that killed brandon lee proy has said that yeah it was they were filming a scene for the crow if it may have been uh pickups or, or reshoots but it was towards it was towards the end but it was definitely a yeah. scene during the crow it's it's the blonde junkie guy i take that back you're right absolutely i'm thinking of somebody else there was another actor that died then uh that that way i i will have to think about who that was and i'll get back about john that. john yeah, travolta right. Mora? no there was there was there was another actor in a tv show then uh because i do I'm, i am mixing them up but yeah you guys are right yeah he at the age of 28 he died in actual shooting on the set of the crow that's right yeah that shit haunts oxbroy is i think so one of the things that I'm talking about is I, it's some TV show, and what happened was then because I had this mixed up with another one was um, Nicholas Cage, everybody. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nick, caged up. This other actor had a um, uh, was playing uh, roulette, and that was the one where the blank had the piece of paper that hit him in the temple, and that killed him. And what he did is was in between takes, he fired it into his temple as a joke for Russian roulette, and the blank hit him in the temple, killing him immediately. 
And what became the result of that was that no longer in Western filmmaking were you allowed to shoot a gun at point blank to another actor's head. They still allowed to do that in Hong Kong films and films in other uh, uh, regions of the world. But in Hollywood b- films with insurance companies involved, you can no longer shoot point blank shots anymore. Yeah. And that's why we get digital squibs now for headshots and why we get digital. Fuck that. Yeah, and that's why we get muzzle shots that are digital as well now, because that's the only way to get a gun right up against another actor's head and pull the trigger. Yeah, watch uh, the raid because that shows how Hong Kong is allowed to just put a gun with blanks to somebody's that's head. That's not Hong Kong. Or, or that's not Hong Japan? Kong. Or no, it's uh, South no, Korea. No, it's not Japan. South Korea. Uh, no, that's not. It's none of those. It's actually that's a that's um the southeast. The raid was done in um. Indonesia, but they just point guns straight at people's heads. They do. Yeah, they oh yeah, they, they do. They shit. do the up close. They do the they do the gunshots right in the face. Yeah, yep. the raid is fucking fantastic. Have you seen oh, the raid? It's so good. Love it. I don't know Love which one to watch. There's like six of them now, right? Three of them. No, there's two. So you have to watch them both because they take place. They're almost a four hour movie. The raid two takes place right after the raid, and the raid two is better than the fucking raid and that's hard to say because the raid is five out of five and the raid two is like five out of five the raid two has a fucking car chase nolan that will make you cream in your fucking jeans it is so fucking hardcore i love that yeah they're the uh, the cast is like what the asian gangsters in in uh, the force awakens yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who kanji d- Club or whatever. Yeah, fuck. Kanji Club. We don't do any kung yeah. fu in this movie or whatever martial art that yeah, was. Yeah, we get we get eaten by CGI fucking whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. super waste. Okay, right, that's enough of knowing. So, <laughs> I'll go with a yeah. serious pick for my number four. I will go with uh, Raising Arizona. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I guess I guess I should give away my number one. That's my number one. Okay. See, that's what I thought. We run into some trouble trouble like this. That's fine. So I'll no, save no, it, doesn't, talk- it doesn't ruin my number one. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. We'll, we'll go save ahead. the talking point for your number one because it deserves the number one talking That's point. That's what we do. We save for, for the me, highest up. Yeah. For me, All I, right. was either, I was either going to go with Raising Arizona or I was going to go with another shitty film. Next. Next. Oh, Chris next. Johnson. I was lucky enough to see Next before uh, all audiences. And I got to say, it did not garner <laughs> that. That's right. <laughs> I love how at the end, all of a sudden he develops a power where he can just multiply it's mul- there's like 20 nicholas cages on scene just going it, all it over makes the place. no sense yeah he's getting shot over and over again somehow he's like creating clones of himself because he's going he's seeing himself in the future it is the fucking yeah. dumbest film and then the whole movie is a dream sequence because he banged jessica beal is that how it ended? I forgot. That's how, how the movie ended. ends. Yeah, I mean, that's the version I saw when I, I mean, like, I don't know how it aired in theaters, but I think it aired the same way. I just remember my Beautiful. favorite scene was when they, they, the sniper fired a bullet at him and he saw it and he dodged it. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> dodge. That doesn't really translate to a podcast, but it's a, it's just a, no, a great visual. Just that everyone knows we're all doing the dodge right now. And just that dodge was so intense that they put that dodge as the money shot in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. That's the the scene they selected, the shot they selected to say this best represents our movie. And it's just it's very weird watching Nicolas Cage who's like fifty years old at this point banging like a twenty year old Jessica Beale. Like it was a very weird. They they honestly knew each other for maybe twenty minutes, and I'm not even exaggerating on that. Oh, gross. Yeah, in real life, imagine meeting a girl twenty minutes later. You're just fucking banging. Like that's that's what happened in the movie. That's Felk Saturday Night. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, in real life, it takes you have to be Justin Timberlake to get Jessica Biel. But in a Nick Cage movie, you just have to be Nick Cage to get Jessica Biel. 
His name is Chris Johnson. <laughs> Chris Johnson. And then Justin Timberlake goes and like cheats on Jessica Biel too, which is just fucking just out of control. Did I didn't he? know about that. A- uh, hypothetically, I don't know either. I mean, <laughs> you're just, just making shit up. <laughs> I, I heard this somewhere. All right. Well, then uh, my number four is I'm sure like one of yours number ones, uh, Con Air. Oh, yeah. That's my, my number three. one. So we'll. Okay, well then we'll leave it for uh, your number one to talk about. Con Air, I just had it mo- mentioned. I mean, Con Air is amazing. And I just want to do two things with Con Air first. One, the, the, the tagline to Con Air is two. It's two different taglines. It's buckle up and it's they were deadly on the ground. Now they have wings. <laughs> mm, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> God, I miss, I miss movies from the 90s. And just and I just want to play a little a little audio for for our viewers and for you guys to represent best represent Con Air. That's it right there. Zimmer. So that's that score. When I hear that score, I just think of Nick Cage's hair blowing <laughs> in the wind, or I should say his wig blowing in the wind, and that sweet fucking wife beater just all up against that tight bod mm. <laughs> all right but we'll get into more of con air a little bit later so uh felk your number four my number four i tried to come up with at least one you guys probably wouldn't pick representing what i think is a very great and underrated nicholas cage performance is matchstick men that's a good yeah, movie that is. That is it's great a really movie. good movie he's he's really nuanced in that he's not going crazy i mean even though he plays somebody with like a severe like problem he, it's it's a, a subtle performance, an interesting story, and a very interesting character. Did you ever see The Weatherman? Weatherman, it yes. was, yeah, that was a close maybe. Um, but I think Magic Men's more memorable. But Weatherman's uh, coming from like Gore Verbinski after Pirates of the Caribbean. It, like, it was a really yeah. like, char- like a, yeah, a, a smart character drama. Like, mm-hmm. very interesting film. It also had a horrible poster where Nicolas Cage's head's obviously photoshopped onto someone else's body and they photoshopped in a, a fucking bow and arrow around him. So it's, and yeah. then photoshopped I love in like those. yogurt on his sleeve. I think it's I bird hate, shit, right? Yeah, the, the, the 2000s and maybe still today, I think they're trying to get away from it, but movie posters are like fucking horrible for like a 10-year stretch. It was so bad there in like the early 2000s. Oh. I, I, I think if anybody uh, who's listening to this has never seen the poster for Bangkok Dangerous, please look at Nick Cage's oh, wow. poster for Bangkok Dangerous, where he's the most awkward pose ever. Yeah, I don't know. Is he, He's reaching for a gun, but his other hand looks like it's like grasping something that's not there. Like it's supposed to be a gun, but it's gone. Like I don't know what's going on with that poster. I feel like he's reaching for a gun with his with his right hand and then his like his left hand is reaching for a invisible gun that's like three <laughs> yeah. feet off his body. I don't know what it is. It's so fucking weird. The bottom has flames and sparks flying up because like you always need flames and sparks at the bottom of your poster. Like that's just one trend that will not go away. Yeah. This is the one with anyway. like it has bullet holes in the poster, like he's shooting through the poster it does. itself. Yes, there, yeah, yes. There's, there's there's like windshield breaks on the poster. Yeah, that's the glass that's holding the poster uh, in place. He's he's breaking the fourth wall and shooting at the audience. Has anyone seen that movie? And and one of the things about Bangkok Dangerous that's interesting too is all three of us worked on one show together uh, many years ago, 
And um, one of the lead editors on that show is the only person of us three, <laughs> this other guy, it. this fourth guy, who saw it. And he came back after a night of watching it and told us it was the this masterpiece that we needed to watch. And then he continued for like the next eight hours explaining to us how amazing Bangkok oh, Dangerous God, was. Now I remember that. Okay. Yeah. And he spoiled the ending. <laughs> he totally did. He didn't give a yeah. shit because he was because he knew we weren't going to see it. Yeah. And he loved it. He did love it. I miss that man. He did that for Aragon too. He explained like the entire thing over like ninety minutes. It would have been faster to watch oh, the movie. I didn't. I didn't need Aragon spoiled for me because I had seen A New Hope already, so I already knew what Aragon was. Wow. All right. Well, then, Noel, you go ahead. You're. Um, we're on your three. Well, my number three, I'm sure, is going to be on your top five list too. But I'm going to go with a little movie called Face Off. Mm, that's my number two. Not on my list. Oh wow, it's not on your list. How's that? How's that's that possible? So weird. Well, for me, I mean, just just I don't want to take any anything away from your choice, but for me, Face Off is crap. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. <laughs> So wait, Noli and me have this face off as two and three just reversed. So I mean, yeah, we might we'll as well just, just talk about those two right now. Yeah, absolutely. It, Go into face off. I, I find it an action masterpiece, to be honest. Oh, with the you. boat scene pisses me off. I so love much. the boat scene. The it, they're boat bashing scene each other left and the, right in like no like repercussions yeah, to the boat. The, the, the boat scene was written for hard target, but Jean-Claude decided he didn't want a boat scene. He wanted to have a horse chase. So they switched it. And they threw in that awful horse chase in Hard Target. Well, it's Hard okay, Target. The horse chase is amazing in Hard Target. Yeah, no, okay? it's actually good. It's actually <laughs> it good. Is. It's, it's a horse versus a helicopter. It is. <laughs> it is. And it's fucking Jean-Claude. Remember that poster? Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I remember I was walking into Century 12 in Redwood City a long time ago, and I remember seeing like Hard Target's like huge banner because it was coming out soon, and it was just Jean-Claude's head in the arrow. Yeah, it's a fucking great poster. It's a great, it's a great poster. The only person that still makes posters like that is sometimes Tom Cruise, where it's just his face with some sort of action, a gun, the knife, whatever. You know, Absolutely. they don't, they don't yeah. make those anymore. They don't make those anymore. No, because you know they need to overstylize all the fucking posters. Yeah, Jean Claude's face on a arrow was all you needed to know. Hard target. There we go. I have to say, I think honestly, the last great poster I've ever seen is 2008's The Dark Knight. The one where he's standing in front of the burning bat symbol on the building. For me, that might be the last great poster. And that was what? Fucking almost nine years ago? It's definitely good. And I'm, I'm sure there's been some since then. But I mean, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 poster is pretty fucking great. It is in like a like an homage to Star Wars, but it's right. homaging to me. So it's not like original. While the Dark Knights was ori- like a totally original. Gotcha. I thought the Dark Knights entire... Uh, um, uh, line of posters and ads were just incredible like i thought they were fucking fantastic i love now that if you buy the dvd or the blu-ray like you don't get the slip cover anymore that had batman on it so all you get is a joker right. <laughs> like, the joker standing yeah, get- amongst a whole bunch of fucking flames and shit yeah like yeah. embers burning and debris oh, and yeah God. it looks terrible blu-rays did not know what they were doing in the beginning when they had dvd cover or covers those are dust covers yeah, like my my Iron Man cover is Iron Man on the front. Yeah. If you take off the slip cover, it's just fucking Robert Downey Jr. without yeah. the suit on. In a wife beater. Yeah. In a wife beater. And, yeah. And I I th- I throw away all those dust covers so that I'm stuck yep. with just Robert Downey Jr. with the, the Iron Man energy. Yeah, with the wife beater glowing. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek, same thing. If you remove yeah, your exactly. um, cover for Star Trek, it's just like what? It's Chris Pine or something just standing yeah. there. Or yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Even uh, the first two Transformers 
uh, DVDs or Blu-rays have the same situation where if you remove the dust cover, it's just like Optimus's head or some shit. I love how you own those. Oh, yeah, I own those babies. <laughs> I know sure. you do. I bet you have four. Do you own four? I know you do. I do. I own four, but I did not buy four. That was a, that was a Christmas gift, fortunately. Right, yeah. But I still have not rewatched it. And, I mean, I saw it once in theaters, and I fell asleep in the last, like, the entire time they were in China, I was asleep in the theater. Yeah. So. so, anyway, yeah, why do you hate Face Off so much? It's For me, it's just too much. Like, John Woo, at times, can be, like, a little bit more subtle, and then I like John Woo. And the only time I like John Woo when he is just too overt is uh, Mission Impossible 2 because I just have such a boner for uh, Tom Cruise. But for me, like face off, John Travolta ruins that movie. I mean, I I hmm. love the line, I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> well, it's it's memorable because not only does Nick Cage say it, but then it's the it's randomly just the line that John Travolta has to say as Nick Cage or in order to activate his voice box. So he says like three times, peach, I could be a peach for hours. Oh yeah. The hand gesture over the faces is like the gayest thing I've ever seen in a film oh. ever. It's yeah, totally very, a Japanese guy. Like not no, or, no ch- Chinese. John Hong Kong. Yeah. yeah. Chinese. Yeah. Doesn't know how to articulate some sort of emotion. So he's like, let's just do some sort of hand gesture over the face. And that's like the, I love you. It's terrible. Oh. That's terrible. But the, but the, the, the guns, the gunfights, and the sparks flying everywhere is just fucking. I love it. I fucking. I just love it. There's doves, right? At the end, there's doves. Oh, yeah. And the church scene, there's Yeah, the church is doves. If I know what it was. It's just a forgotten time of cinema of like just gunfight cinema that I love. And I just love Face Off. It's just a movie. It's not. It's like it, it is a movie built solely on like a concept of like take two stars because we don't have stars anymore. We have characters, we have franchises. Tom Cruise. Last of a dying breed. Uh, yep. So, and Tom Cruise was famous when we had John Travolta's and Nick Cage's, and now it's just Tom. And and you take two of them big enough to, to with distinct enough acting styles, tell them you, you each play each other, write a, write a screenplay around that, and it's... Give me a fucking break. No, but it worked. <laughs> That's the, it worked because... It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. So, let's, what's, your, what's your number three? My number three is adaptation, and so you like pretentious movies? No, I don't find it pretentious. Oh, I find I it. I mean, or maybe I am because I did watch a French film similar to Top Gun. Yeah, but, I watched the French Top Gun. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I really, I really like adaptation. I think the way it starts off with you being in Charlie Kaufman' like mind, and you're following his his like uh, uh, experience on being John Malkovich's set. I, I really love that. And then I love that you go back to Charlie Kaufman's life and then you meet this twin that doesn't exist in real life but exists in the film, Donald Kaufman. And I thought Nick Cage absolutely nailed twins, nailed being brothers. But I sometimes when you watch films when actors play another actor or play another character and they're like twins, it feels odd. Like, And I don't want to like single out any names, Jean-Claude Van Damme. But like <laughs> – I thought Nick Cage nailed it. Like I really did. Th- I like I like he has two distinct different characters. It's not like like one character's bad and one character's good and that's the only difference to them. It's like they are vastly different people and and the, and I would honestly say Charlie Kaufman is fantastic to watch but Donald Kaufman steals the movie. And then yep. when the whole movie turns out to be this Chris Cooper Meryl Streep like terrible like like almost like Hollywood story, which is what they talk about in the beginning of the movie movies becoming these weird 
you know, very cliche plots. I love that. And it becomes this cliche plot. And then Donald even gets shot and dies. Spoiler alert. But spoilers. And then, and then on top of all of that, it's Spike Jones's second film. And it's just for a sophomore film. It's fantastic. I mean, he has this sequence where you find out why Chris Cooper's character is missing his teeth. And it's because of this horrible accident that takes out his whole family, and he's the only sole survivor in this car accident. But you experience this car accident like the like the characters do. You have no fucking clue it's coming, and then it just blindsides you like it does them. And then you immediately understand everything Chris Cooper does in that film from that point on. So for me, adaptation is fantastic. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great film. I I would just wouldn't call it a Nicolas Cage film. Exactly. Uh, he's, two he's two characters in it. How so, do you not call it a Nicolas Cage? It's just, it's just film? not a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of the way. No, no, it's like Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love. It's like he's so out of the usual. Would you define that actor from? Uh, no, I disagree with that. Actually, felt because that's great. I agree with that in the Adam Sandler sense for sure, but. Nick Cage has done a lot of wackadoo shit. Well, yeah. And so Leaving Las Vegas it makes too. sense for me that Nick Cage would take that role. Meryl Streep's in it. Chris Cooper's in it. Like, And they have like a lot of screen time. It's definitely Nicolas Cage. He's great in it. It's a, it's a really good movie. I just wouldn't call that a Nicolas Cage film. Well, I wouldn't call it's it a great movie. It's not Nick Cage in the sense that like Con Air is. I totally agree with that. But, I mean, it is a film that's about a flower and screenwriting. God. And, and that's like two things I thought I would never love. In a film, like I don't think I would ever own a film or watch a film about screenwriting and a flower. Yeah, you're making and me for dislike me, it like, all the more. I was really blown away that I I was so attracted. Was to it that orchids? Film. Is that what it was? It was orchids. Yeah. Yeah. So. It was a special orchid that existed in this certain swamp in Louisiana or some shit. I'm burping all this mango scotto up right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I think. I think adaptation is an excellent performance, dual performance from Nicolas Cage. I think it is an exceedingly arrogant movie, and there begins the rise. I think Spike Jonze's best movie by far is being John Malkovich, and with each subsequent movie uh, probably peaking with where the wild things were, he just got more and more self-indulgent. He is a kid who was raised rich, grew up with the Coppolas. You know, he he didn't really yeah. got got famous because he made skateboarding videos and, and hung out with the Beastie Boys, and I think he sabotage. Thinks he is a fucking genius, and I think he uh, thinks that he can get away with being incredibly weird, often for weird sakes, and people kind of congratulate him for it. And uh, being John Malkovich, because it has a, such a weird and conceptual idea, uh, it gets away with it, whereas Adaptation tries to be all these great ideas at the same time and just ends up, you know, you, they all cancel each other out. It's like a thousand flavors at once. You just taste nothing. I got to rewatch it. I disagree because I think adaptation is as strong as film. I think it's even stronger than being John Malkovich. And I honestly really? don't like where the wild things are very much. I thought it was I think a little we saw that together and both were just like, this is not two hours of movie. No, it is not. It's and it, and when I read the story, when I've read the story, my wife's read the story to the kids. Like I, I, I always think of that film and go, how did they pull a two-hour film out of this? It's shit? it's like, like ten pages long. It's a it's a beautiful ten-page or, or story that you can yeah. You, it takes five minutes to read your kids at, at bedtime. That's all I experienced as, as a kid. Uh, Spike Jones thought he could trigger that nostalgia. He certainly could for the length of a trailer, but not for two hours. It was like there's there's no plot. Hi, I'm Max. I want to see where things get wild. See, that's that's already sounds like a much better movie. I'll say this: there's there are better Maurice Sendak books. 
that you should turn into films like uh, In the Night Kitchen. Like that one, like that's a better. All right, all right, all right. All right now we're now we're on to Maurice Sendak movies or books. Yeah, back to Cage. Did he do Number Good Night Moon? Wait, did we? No, did he we did not f- do Good Night Moon. No. Did we get the Felks three? Uh, Felk, yeah. What's your three? My three is well, this is I think you're on your list too. Con Air. That's my number one. We can we can get into that one later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So wait, well, Phil, just real quick, Con Air. What do you like? What do I like about Con Air? Just real quick, yeah, and then we'll get into it. And Noli's number one, yeah. Well, okay. Um, let's just do Con Air because uh, uh, then I'm down to nope. my number one. Anyways, we're down to number one, so let's just go ahead as number no, one. No, we're next. on three. That that's. Oh well, I have two more still to go. Then I have two more too. You go. All right. Well, Phil, so just you like Con Air. That's good. Okay, Noli. What's your number? What's your number two then, Noli? Number two, which might be one of my favorite movies ever, but I don't really call it a Nicolas Cage film, but it's amazing action film, The Rock. Oh, okay. Ooh, I definitely call that a Nick Cage film, but that's also a Michael Bay film. But yes, that's my number two. That's my number one. So, so. Let's, so let's talk about The Rock right now. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's do get in The Rock. Well, first of all, I, I want to read the I want to read The Rock's uh, tagline for everybody: Alcatraz. Period. <laughs> Only one man has ever broken out. Period. Now five million lives depend on two men breaking in. And just to set the tone, audience, this is a little taste of the rock. Classic Hans. Ew, so classic Hans. My humpy is stolen. I'm merely borrowing your Humvee. Oh, Sean Connery. <laughs> it's okay. What I love about The Rock, and I don't want to take too much from Noli because he just said it, but what, one of the things I just want to get out of the way is that The Rock is an unofficial sequel to Never Say Never Again yeah. or whatever. He is playing James Bond, but a, a legally distinct, not James Bond character who's clearly John James Bond. fucking Mason. But that's like his fake name that he provides the americans with right like he's still james bond yeah, in that absolutely. movie. absolutely you could argue that james uh, james mason is just the the, the alias he john gives mason. away john mason, john mason. Is the mason. alias he gives the u.s he never can admit that he's even though james bond would always just walk around being like hey i'm james bond which doesn't make sense for a spy <laughs> anyways yeah oh absolutely he too commonly refers to like this 1960s-esque like spy that he used to be it's fucking awesome I mean, it's the whole no. It's he was he was a spy when Kennedy was assassinated. So, like, that's the exact right timing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, he's definitely playing. He's definitely playing James Bond. But those movies don't exist anymore. I remember like getting off of school and like junior high or something. Like that was a summer film. It wasn't fucking Captain America. It wasn't Iron Man. It wasn't Guardians of the Galaxy or Batman or something. It was like I'm gonna go watch a fucking action adventure film with gun battles and a great plot yeah and i'm gonna have some fun time it, there's so many yeah. threads going on most movies are, are today it's like what what comic book or pre-existing franchise or toy or ouija boards can we base a movie off of yeah. well basically of anything there's, that was an idea yeah, there's no more yeah there's no more one-offs of like let's just have a great time yeah at the movies the rock yeah. now would be uh the first film in a play in seven film uh franchise and, and it would be horrible because of that because they wouldn't just blow their load with one movie and put everything they could into one fucking awesome movie, which is what they did. It's it's what if we did, you know, it's 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 with the, the trend of die hard on a plane, die hard on a boat, die hard mm-hmm. on a different tr- train. It's die hard on Alcatraz. 
But then there's also the twist of what if we could get Sean Connery to basically play James Bond? And what if we could take a nerdy actor not typically associated with action roles and turn him into an action star? There's all these fucking ideas behind it, and they all mesh into one exciting two hours and like 20 minutes. It's just. Yeah, and it would begin the trilogy of Nicolas Cage's best films, in my opinion, which Ballard hates Face Off, but it's The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off. Like, yep. that's three summers in, in a row, back to back to back. They just hit you fucking hard with great cinema. God, yeah. Well, Mac, why am I not surprised, you piece of shit? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I, love, I love that line. Why are you German? <laughs> Uh, I love fucking Carla was the prom queen. So yeah. that was finally seeing James Bond say a, a James Bond who could say fuck a James Bond who could like actually yeah. kill people like with a knife and it bloody. He was an R rated James Bond. And we never seen that before either. Yeah, it was. And it included Michael Bean. Think about this for a second. Yeah. So like, oh, my God. And Michael Bean. You're right. And that's so. So I like cried. When I fucking saw that sequence where the fucking Marines shot all the Navy SEALs in the shower. Oh, that oh yeah. Hurt me. That hurt me. Because I love <laughs> Michael Bean. Because, like, how come Michael Bean? Why does Michael Bean have to get fucked up in Aliens and the fucking Terminator and The Rock? He doesn't make it out of any of those three films either alive or well. Aliens no. is the only one he makes it out alive, but he's burned yeah. badly by acid. But then what Alien 3 tells us is he died. Like a bitch. He died on the fucking, like, fluids. Michael Bean always f- dies. I love Michael Bean. In fact, even in K2, I think he's the guy that gets more taken out climbing K2 the mountain versus the other guy, the nerdy fuck who like is in all the films as a nerdy fuck. I forget his yeah, name. I don't remember, but I've seen that film in probably 1993 is when I last saw that film. Bring it, bring it back to Sean Connery because I, I have something I, I, I'm, I'm, I want clarification <laughs> this on. This is Connery'd up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I just want clarification on this. So, um, he, Tom Connor's character, he has like a hot daughter who he meets at the Palisades or Palace of, of whatever it is in San Francisco. Claire, Claire, Claire. Fiorolina. Yeah. So her, the, the way that that's, that's true, even though he was in prison since like the 60s, is that he escaped from a different prison after Alcatraz, after he was caught again from like Went San to Quentin. a Led Zeppelin concert. Went to a Led Zeppelin concert. So he's escaped. The first thing he does isn't like contact his British like officials or, or try to get back to his homeland where he's safe. He goes to a Led Zeppelin concert <laughs> and fucks some chick at a, at a Led Zeppelin concert. And then <laughs> he gets felt. He gets caught again later. Felk, tell me this. All you know about Sean Connery's Bond, would he go back to the Brits or would he go fuck a woman? He'd go fuck a woman. Probably not at a that, you answered your own Zeppelin question, concert, sir. but maybe. That's right. He would. Well, I don't know about the Zeppelin part, but maybe he just realized that was where the best ass was ready to be tapped. That would be very Bond. I just love, I just love that the general character in in uh the rock is general hummel i just Hummel's a great <laughs> the character. whole movie is full of actors that are just and characters that are just incredible major tom baxter yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, random henchmen so, played by tony todd they, like everybody's cool in that movie it's weird i ever tell you my dad was irish <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just it's just a reminder that michael bay can make a good film like he had there were, i don't know what was restraining him back then maybe it was jerry bruckheimer but like now he's just like doesn't know how to make a movie under two and a half hours it has to be three hours it has to be like bloated who bay 
Yeah, Bay. I don't think the Transformers movies are all under just under like two and a half, which is really long for a Transformers no, movie. The, the last one I saw was like three hours. I could not sit through it. It was terrible. Transformers, please visit China. One of my favorite parts of The Rock was literally the moment where General Al Kramer and General Peterson. Who are these people? Say, say the actors. I don't know. No, who the okay. So, so Mexican this is the standoff. This is no. This is the scene in the uh, war room where they're talking about the VX gas, and they say, "Wait a minute." What is the potential casualty rate for single rocket armed with VX poison gas, General Peterson? 60 or 70? Well, that's not so bad. Thousand. <laughs> 70,000. Dead. <laughs> like, that's so great. <laughs> the way they set the stakes up in that fucking movie is so fucking incredible. I love that fucking movie it's so much. It's a classic 90s script. And, and, then, and then for anyone who doesn't live in the Bay Area, just for clarification, I just want to say that when they say that the rocket was launched at Oakland towards a Raiders game, they then cut to Candlestick, which is where the Giants and the 49ers played. They they said Oakland. It was firing at they Oakland. Say, they, yeah, because they say the rocket was heading towards Oakland. I guess I never picked up on that. I always knew it was heading towards Candlestick, but I never realized they said it's heading towards Oakland. Personally, I'm just, as a, as a Giants and Niners fan my whole life, I am so excited that the can- Candlestick, which is now gone and demolished, immortalized on live film. On fi- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that it's fantastic. Heading, I love that it's heading towards a game that's clearly like one third full though. It's like, <laughs> yeah. The, the it's not even a game. Empty. Yeah. Because <laughs> at that time that they, they should have pulled in like a full stadium. So I mean the fact that the stadium's empty is just a complete oversight by the film crew. Along with the yeah. fact that they thought it was the Oakland Coliseum and then the editor didn't give a shit. <laughs> like he's just like, <laughs> whatever. We got a shot of fucking candlestick, put it in. Uh, when, yeah. when I turned uh, 33, I was uh, I was kind of sad because I felt like I was old, and I thought of the line, uh, "How old are you, Mister Sinclair? I'm 33. Then you've got no idea what the fuck you're talking about." Uh, <laughs> to cheer me up, I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's people a lot older than me who are still badasses." Yeah, that's right. On your ninth birthday, I was running black ops into China. Oh my god, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sinclair is only 33 in that movie. That guy looks like he's 50. Well, people, age I'll take worse pleasure than... in gutting you, boy. <laughs> Like that that's a fucking quote in that movie. I love that. That's so fucking so, great. We all agree the rocks in the one or two best Nicholas Cage films ever. Absolutely. Let's move on to number one. All right, well that was my number two, but we haven't gone through number twos yet, but I guess we, maybe we have. So The Rock was my number two. Noli, that was your number three? That was my number two. That was your number two? Okay, that was my number two. So hey, twinsies. Yeah. So Felk, what was your number two? It was Con, Con Air. Air. So okay, now so that's my number one. So Conair's your number one, okay? So Felk, your number one is not Conair, but your number two is Conair, yeah, right? Yeah, The Rock's one, so Conair's two, yeah. Okay, so, well, let's go into Conair. Conair. I think we already did Conair's music. Yeah. I know, but I just can't get enough of Conair's yeah. music. Conair's my number one because if someone said, turn on any Nicolas Cage movie to someone who'd never seen a Nicolas Cage movie, that's what I would turn on. Really? With John Cusack ruining the whole fucking film? <laughs> no, he does not ruin it. Yes, he does. He totally ruins it. Nicholas Cage overcompensates. John Malkovich overcompensates. Dave Chappelle overcompensates. Sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs> the random comic relief characters, Dave Chappelle. Like, how forward cat? Like, he was nobody then. Like, yeah, he and even- he also got dropped onto a fucking trunk of a car. Yeah, with a note of, on him. Speaking of 90s films, that's just a one-off idea, and they made a great fucking summer film that I enjoyed thoroughly. It was, again, Die Hard on A, but it was Die Hard on a prison plane, and no one had done prison plane before. You realize at the end that Nicolas Cage, after the plane crashes, just gets off the plane and commandeers a local 
police motorcycle and just takes off after the bad guys and no one cares. Yeah, the it's police just, just, it. <laughs> but then John Cusack gets on one too and they're just both double teaming it after like the fire truck that got stolen as well. No one cares about these missing fucking public no, service vehicles. For me, Con Air is just simply is simply ruined by one shot. And the reason why Con Air was number four for me and not number one or number two for me was um, when you see John Cusack in the front of the Huey Cobra helicopter and he's flying it in the gunner position, <laughs> that fucking pisses me off. Like, that fucking pisses me off. Like, I'm watching, I was watching that movie with too much uh, military knowledge and I was just like, this is fucking terrible. I don't remember John Cusack like, flying a plane. He flies a plane in the movie? Huey Cobra is a helicopter, okay. and uh, yeah, no, remember they were chasing them through the canyon. They're flying the planes okay, flying yeah, in the canyon yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and they're like chasing after the them. The fucking CIA, man. CIA could do anything they wanted back then. They like knew everything. He doesn't work for the CIA, John Cusack. He what's he, he work for? No, he works for like the prison parole system, doesn't he? He works for the, pr- the U.S. <laughs> prison system. Better. That's He's just a grunt better. for the U.S. prison system. Like, remember, he he drives like a hippie, like like shitty van, and he's got like an ACLU sticker on it. He's not CIA. He's just like uh, he's a guy who's trying to like help people get paroled. His, his boss with ass kicker on the license plate that was like definitely yeah, CIA that's Cole Meany. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I got I looked this up. So John Cusack's character Vince yep. Larkin, Vince Larkin, is a is a deuteral. Uh, uh, fuck! I don't even know how to say this word. Hang on, let me tutorial Siri to tell me. Siri, how, Siri, how do you say this fucking word? Deuteragonist. Okay, Siri doesn't know. <laughs> so Deuteragonist, and he works for the U.S. Marshal Service. And he knows how to fucking fly a helicopter. Oh my god! But you know what? That movie does have an, an incredible like list of character names: Baby O, Billy Bedlam, Cyrus the Virus, Diamond Dog, Those are Pinball, Johnny Twenty Three. Swamp thing, like those are fucking <laughs> incredible names. They might be nicknames, Felk, but those are the official character names. I think in prison people have nicknames, right? More than the real names. I don't know. Cameron po. fucking Poe. He doesn't have a nickname. Also fucking Nolan. You wear Nolan has his Cameron Poe pillow right now in front of him, and he's snuggling it and kissing the side of Nick Cage's face. Noli, please explain to the audience how the fuck you got that incredible pillow. Uh, it was a gift from a friend. I think I think it's from Japan. It better be. <laughs> yeah. Look, it was a birthday gift. Is that where does that go at, at night? Does that go in between your legs or does that go on your back and he's snuggling you? It goes anywhere. Anywhere Nick wants to be, I'm there. It was your four Filks two and my one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. Of, I'm out of mine. Yeah, I mean, it's just a really fun movie. I mean, there's nothing. It's something that's like, it could be on TNT, and I'll catch like 15 minutes of it, and still be like, God damn, I want to finish this shit because it's so good. It is good. It's just I really have an issue with John Cusack in it. Like he's, I just don't like him in is, it at all. He's not a problem. Yeah, so what is your number one? My number one. All right. Well, I guess we're all done at this point. So my number one is Raising Arizona. Okay. And at, and just and just for the audience, I just want to play a little Raising Arizona for them. And so for me, that sound is my childhood. So I grew up on Raising Arizona. I didn't know it's who great Nick movie. Cage was. Great movie. I didn't know who John Goodman was, even though I saw Roseanne not too long after that, and then realized who John Goodman was. I didn't know who Williams Forsyth was. I didn't know who Holly Hunter was. I didn't know who the Coen Brothers were. I just knew. 
I loved Raising Arizona, and it was incredible to me. Like, the idea of him running through people's living rooms and bedrooms and that song playing in yeah, the it's background. A great, it's a great scene. It's a great movie. And, and like, Coen Brothers. Like, okay. the fact that fact... I, I did not even know who the Coen brothers were, and I eventually were going to learn to love these guys. They weren't the Coen brothers yet. I mean, they were they were just comedy directors. Really. They weren't. I think that was their second film. Now, Fargo is what put them on the map. I mean, it, it made people realize who they were. But Blood Simple, which is like almost a early version of Fargo, yeah. is incredible. And I hadn't seen that at that point. So Raising Arizona was their second film. And when Tex Cobb shows up as the That was unnamed, the baddest fucking thing I saw as a child. And he shot the fucking lizard off the rock and yeah. the rock caught fire. Like, to me, as a kid, I was like, that's the epitome of evil. It's Looney Tunes, everything- oh, come to life. To me, that was the epitome of badass. I was like, that guy is, is a fucking badass. Badass, but evil. And the, and the he's not really evil. Always- I mean, he's just trying to get somebody's kid back to him. So, like, he's not on a, a bad no, quest. No, no, not really. Not really. So here's the thing, Phil, to disprove what you just said. So the Coen brothers <laughs> have always spoken that every single film they've ever made, they've always put the devil in it. Every film okay. has the devil, and he, Tex Cobb's character plays the devil in that movie. Yeah, and that's and so he's the devil, and so I picked up on that even at the age of six. I picked up on that Tex Cobb was the devil, and like and that was the character, and like for me, the whole standoff at the end with the kid in the in the uh, um, the car seat yeah. being picked up by the motorcycle, thrown on the top of the motorcycle, and then being switched off and picked up, and Holly Hunter being this cop who's in love with this with this con man slash like like a, a low pro um, criminal uh, armed robber or whatever like it, for me it was this incredible film yeah and and I finally realized what like filmmaking was and I, after that and like that that set the set I, I guess the bar for me for Nick Cage but set the bar for me for every type of film after that. It's, 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 I mean, it is film. Yeah. I mean, it's filmmaking. Obviously, uh, like with Fargo, that's a much, you know, in Blood Simple, much more serious, dark story. Uh, this, this was them. Miller's Crossing, even. What? Miller's Crossing. Is, yeah, that too. Miller's Crossing is just like Blood Simple and Fargo in that way. It's very dramatic and serious. It was, it was very cartoonish. It was it, like the text cop in particular was like, it was basically a Looney Tunes uh, cartoon come to life. That's how it feels. The chase scene in particular yeah. feels very Roadrunner and, and Wally Coyote. I mean, it, it's, it's, feels it feels it feels very mad max even like and like for me when i eventually got to see um road warrior like i i immediately had a hurricane back in my own like emotions and feelings to raising arizona and i think that's one of the reasons why i feel like like road warrior is so great okay i mean on top of the fact that road warrior is great like i don't really care for mad max the first one but the second one road warrior is fucking Five out of five, and Raising Arizona, I think, helped me with that. Like, I do feel it like, because I saw Road Warrior very early on. I was very lucky to have older uncles that were just a little older than my older brother, and so I had essentially three older brothers. And so I saw Temple of Doom too early. I saw uh, Road Warrior too early, and I've seen Ghostbusters and so forth, and like just too early films that like a five-year-old and a four-year-old should never see. And I remember seeing them all. I mean, I know Star Wars because of my uncles. And brothers. Let's bring it back to raising Arizona, because um, so so you're talking about how t- Tex Cobb's the devil. So in the devil's always in in a uh, every one of their films. <clears throat> the the key thing that's it, it's it's not explained. It's it's just it's just in the movie and it's kind of left up to your interpretation. I think is uh, that final shot right before what Nick Cage pulls the grenade on Tex Cobb and they, he blows him up. He sees that he is yeah. the same 
tattoo, which is I, like road, road, road uh, runner, right? He's something that makes you feel bad for the character who's about to explode now. Oh, really? And so there is humanity in that character, and I think that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess the, you know the devil and what Fargo would be Bushimi and Stormare, or I guess just Stormare, uh, and, and then like a oh, brother, it's uh, John Goodman's character, maybe. Although there is yeah. a uh, oh devil. brother, no, John Goodman plays a Cyclops in Oh Brother. Um, I forget who it is. It's the um, bald guy. Who's like in Malcolm in the Middle or whatever? I think he's the devil technically in Oh Brother, but um, and like and it's John Goodman and Barton Fink. Uh, he's yeah, the devil definitely. in uh, Barton Fink. But um, so I just want to go over some honorable mentions real quick for Nick Cage films we didn't bring up: Gone in sixty seconds, National Treasure, yep. Kick Ass, and Ghost Rider. Those are all Those good are... movies except for Ghost Rider. Yeah. Ghost Rider. Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there we go. That's everything. All right. I, I guess I guess we've like really tapped this shit, right? I actually lo- I actually like Moonstruck too, but I'm not gonna put that on my top five list. Honeymoon in Vegas is really good too. Yeah. I I am appalled that I have never seen Leaving Las Vegas. Oh really? Uh, I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. It's depressing. I've never seen that movie, and I really liked Elizabeth Shue back in the day too. It's so. just depressing. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I can't. That's why I've never it. seen it. I've never yeah. saw it because of that. Won't make you feel good. It makes me feel good? No, it won't make you feel good. Oh, it won't make no. you feel good. Neither will Bringing Out the uh, Dead, I, which also I think it would be an honorable mention for me. Just because just it's Scorsese. Just because it's Scorsese. You know what? I th- I was excited to watch that, Felk, because of um, I was going through a Scorsese phase where I was trying to watch all those Scorsese films I never saw before. So it was Last Temptation of Christ, Bringing Out the Dead. Um, Last Temptation uh, of Christ is incredible. Bringing Out the Dead is shit. It's, it's definitely a, a, a lesser Scorsese movie. It's probably There's his worst as far as I, I'm concerned. <laughs> There's really not that much. So it's based on a novel from a first-time novelist, and, and it kind of shows. It, it feels like the guy had a lot of ideas but didn't do anything with them, and, and the movie really couldn't save it. Because there's not a there's not a lot there. I saw I saw it once and never saw it again. Eight millimeter deserves also a honorable mention. Eight millimeter is good. Noli, you are wearing Batman pants again. Beautiful. I am always. Ah, <laughs> uh, I wear no pants for fucking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why? So I'm the only one wearing like actual pants. <laughs> Well, speaking of the most fabulous body already, Nicolas Cage, let's bring us into Talking Bodies. All systems ready. Three, two, one. I shall not walk and with this girl. Talking Bodies. Yeah. Talking Bodies. <laughs> oh, yeah. As always, talking as always. God damn it, this isn't helping. <laughs> we, uh, oh, I'm sorry. As always, Talking Bodies has us pick a top three hotties from a specific show, movie, franchise, or era. And this era is, of course, Nicolas Cage films. So this could be any hotties from the films of Nicolas Cage. What's, what's happening? What are you doing to us? <laughs> yes. That's what he wants. <laughs> so who would like to go first? Well, I think Amber Heard, Elizabeth Shue, and Ugh. Vanessa Marcel. Solid list. I don't I don't I can't I can't divorce Amber Heard from the fact that she's maybe crazy. 
Uh, and uh, who's crazy? Amber Heard. Oh, so felt. Yeah. So we're not talking about who you're marrying, right? We're talking about no. who you're like fucking, essentially, who you want to fuck, right? That's what we established last time, right? Because Hugh Jackman somehow made his way to the Foxman list. Hugh Jackman is always making his way into the top three list. <laughs> <laughs> Only Hugh Jackman can do that. Not everyone. I think the top three is definitely who would you like most want to have sex with? Yes. So Amber Heard is just like a fun time. Let's get it over it. Okay. Let's get over her shit. Crazy is hot and heavy. Well, so Amber Heard, I think, is number one. And that's she, gonna drive angry. Then I think the we gotta go with Holly sure. Hunter from Raising Arizona. Holly, Holly Hunter? Hunter? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think um you could, should go with Face Off's wife. No, who God. who did I say already? Gina Gina Gershon. Was it Gina Gershon? She, really? She's in Face Off. She, well, she's yeah. definitely in my top three. She's bad Nicolas Cage's girlfriend. Not the, the wife is Joan Allen. Dude, all I gotta say is Gina Gershon and Showgirls, and you got something. You know what I mean? You got something. Face Off was made around the same time, so mm. you got something. Mm. You got something there. I gotta say that Gina Gershon's chill. Vanessa Marcel. I mean, was she General Hospital? I think right. She was The Rock, but she was General Hospital. I think as well. She's uh, she's she's she might be number one. Mm, really? Vanessa. Vanessa. Vanessa might be number one. No, wait, Amber Heard is pretty top-notch. In The Rock, Vanessa Marcel is looking pretty goddamn good. I think Gina takes Vanessa any day. In fact... I want Ava Mendez on the list. Oh, oh God damn it. See, I would actually put Claire Fulani in there, but she's not really that famous. Oh, she's very... She's very... Pretty. No, fuck her. She looks like she's crying all the time. She was sad because her dad left her. Oh, she's so sad because her dad... Her dad got jailed. Yeah. This is a tough list. She's she's actually very pretty. She I don't really like. She fucking go for Claire. She cured the devil, dude. Yeah, the, she, you're right. Devil. Well, no, 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 not the devil, Mister Death. Mister Death. Death had to like. What's happening? But what just happened? Edit, 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 edit. Someone came into my lair. <laughs> so Larry, <laughs> someone's coming dude, in the closet. Dude, Nolly, this is all edit. But dude, I love how everything behind you is a dress. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it in. Keep it in the show. Edit. <laughs> Secret to the audience. We say. Edit back in. in. In Nick Cage's career, there's a lot of meh girls like Meg Ryan and and, and uh, uh, who's the girl? Oh shit. We have fucking Jessica Biel, too. Oh, you do have Jessica Biel. Yeah, you got Jessica Biel, actually, yeah. This top three is tough. We have fucking Cher. See, okay, Jessica Biel is like a 10 out out of 10. (laughs) You also have Sarah Jessica Parker. Jessica Parker? Sarah Jessica Parker? Is that what you're talking about? Sarah Jessica Parker is in in Honeyman in Vegas. She's never good. She's a joke. She's a horse. She's not a human being. She's a joke. And for everyone's information here, she's only good in one movie. Striking distance. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. I was about to say that. Yeah, Tay Leone. A lot of, eh, a lot of. Oh, Taya. Taya. Taya is not on any list. Ugh. Your name is not Marcus Burnett. You are Mike Lowry. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Helen Mirren. <laughs> mm. Helen Mirren. Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Oh fuck! This I list, forgot about that. I also forgot about Diane yeah. Kruger too. Gone this, in sixty. This list is done. This there's too many hot chicks. This list is over. We can't do it. Yeah. This list is in okay, so let's just get it straight. So the list is currently 
Vanessa Marcel, Jessica Biel, Gina Gershon, Amber Heard, Angelina Jolie. So this top three is a top I want five. If we're going to do top five, then make it top six. I want Ava Mendez, Mendez on there, too. And, it's, and sure, top six, Ava Mendez. Yeah, no, I agree. Top six, and David Mendez. And it's all in no particular order. It's to your personal preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the only time we don't go in order. Because, like, yeah. let's face it. I mean, the, like, Felt Those Green are all beautiful up, women. Absolutely. And Felt brings up a great point. Ava Mendez, that's a great point. She, like, that f- split-second full frontal from training day? Ooh. She is not only super sexy, but she's got attitude. And, like, the way she <laughs> rocks... The other guys, I mean, she, she she's incredible in that film. I mean, when her and Will Ferrell are, like, sending back sex messages through, like, her grandma, that's incredible. That is actually a really hilarious scene what where, is this? yeah, she's in The Other Guys, and she plays Will Ferrell's wife, and there's a great scene where uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg, like, meets her, and it's just, like, he cannot figure out why they're married. Fucking no, bitch, she, no, gator, no, 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 gator bitch. Gator! Gator! What's Gator? <laughs> That's Gator his name, Gator. Gator doesn't take Gator. no shit. <laughs> Gator. That's right. Gator, Gator doesn't take no shit from no bitches. It's an underrated movie. It I is. Liked I it. love it the other good. guys. I love it. She's in Hitch. She was in Too Fast, Too Furious. The best one. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, I'm sorry. I said that name wrong. The Fast and the Furious 2, Too Fast, Too, too Furious. So we'll just say Nicolas Cage has been with many of hot women. We can't do a definitive top three list. We're somewhere in the top six, but in any order you want. No, you're right. Let's move on to our favorite topic. Love that dong. Again? Love that dong. You got to say it twice. I love it when you say it twice. (laughs) Right, this week is the... Felt, you just take this. Well, we talked about Nicolas Cage and some hottie bodies. Now let's talk about Nicolas Cage and his various dongs. The Dong Father, named after, of course, Francis Ford Coppola's series of films, Apocalypse Now. So, <laughs> which Nicolas Cage was not in, but Nicolas Cage's real last name is, of course, Coppola. He changed it to Cage because he could not be caged. Uh, he so can't be caged up, bitches. He can't be we're caged talking up. about the biggest Coppola dicks. That's what we're talking Coppola about. Coppola dicks. Yeah. So, so the way I am pic- I pictured this uh, segment was uh, we have Nick Cage. Versus Jason Schwartzman versus Sofia Coppola. Now, who has the biggest dick? Nicholas Cage. Out of these three, well, I don't know. Sofia Coppola must have a huge clit. That's not a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spike Jones fucked her for a long time. There, there were there were a couple. Oh, I forgot. Uh, about wasn't that. that his cousin? Are you fucking serious? Spike Jones is not the cousin of Sofia Coppola. Wait, Spike Jones is married. Spike Jones. Into that Spike group? Jones married Sofia Coppola. They were. That was his first wife. Really? Yeah. Ew. Ew. That's. Oh. Well. Okay. Have you guys clicked on the link? Because the link is actually Sofia Coppola naked. No, I did not look at it. Look at it. Well, that's the link on, attached to it, so you can. I mean, you can't see. How's it look? Does it look okay or bad? I think it's like early pre-director Sofia Coppola. It's not bad. I mean, it's like Calvin, It's like classic Calvin Klein, black and white style. She's very man. So Jason Schwartzman didn't really show his dick, but he showed his dick on Conan in a blurred shot. And you can kind of see where the head ends. And it's pretty massive. I mean, maybe he's, he might be. Who? Like Jason? Jason's, yeah, Jason Schwartzman. Dude, the uh, guy's like 5'2". Yeah. His dick is not big. His dick is not big. Well, then let's just say perspective is everything. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks huge. 
No, small dong. Very well, small I mean, dong. how can you have a whole section of a segment called caged up, love that dong, and not have Nick Cage win? So let's just say Nick Cage wins. He's got the biggest dick. We need to ask Jenna Jameson, famous porn star who actually had sex with him, who said the smell of his body was revolting. <laughs> That's sad. What? That's too bad. Jenna Jameson smelled a lot of men, too. I have one question about Nicolas Cage that no one's talked about. All right, go ahead. Yeah. If you search the internet, you can't really find... Okay, the guy hasn't really worked in big films in like five, almost a decade, right? Uh, Knowing was 09, I think. Um, yeah, I think Knowing was his last big anyway, blockbuster, It's been right? a while, but you can't ass. really find... You, you can't find stories that like he's like a terrible guy to work with like no co-stars say like oh that guy's fucking he's like awful to work with like there's no bad stories about Nicolas Cage like I think he's <laughs> yeah, just a right. fucking he's just a fucking weirdo uh, Bay loves him I think Bay like really had a fun time working with him but never worked with him again then why did Bay use they him never once? worked yeah they never worked again yeah uh, that's a good question you don't find like a, a John John Woo who worked with them twice you don't find like a director who's like dude that guy was like terrible wait no he didn't with. John Woo worked with them twice Paige you think he's Travolta no he worked with them on the uh, Face Off and Wind Talkers yeah oh yeah fuck yeah how can I forget Wind Talkers but you, you actually don't find people that work with them twice but then you don't find people that like talk shit on them like I, I think he's just hmm. in a weird zone like, I think you work with him once you're like that was interesting I'm moving on is it and, possible that he's so weird that they just don't want to even mention him? I think it could be that. I think it could be that. <laughs> it could be that. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I think Nicolas Cage might be the second coming of Marlon Brando. But, I mean, what do I know? I don't think he's as moody. I mean, Brando was a, a just horror to work with. Yeah. I mean, if you talk about Brando and the score, apparently the score, he asked, who was the director of the score? Ron Howard? Frank Oz. Mm. Yeah, Frank, Frank Oz. Oz. That's right, Frank Oz. So, um, <laughs> Frank Oz apparently said that he couldn't even direct Marlon Brando. That Brando demanded De Niro directed all the scenes in the score that Brando was in. Yep. He said that Frank Oz was not allowed on set. So yeah, Nick Cage is no Brando, and that's not sure. like that's uh, one of his Brando was difficult movies, uh, like The Island of Doctor Moreau and Apocalypse Now are movies that like barely functioned because of Brando and like Nick Cage. What what impact has he negatively had on, on any movie? He he seems like he he seems like he's all in for every movie. I I, I that's what I'm saying is like he's a weird actor where like the last like hmm. 15 movies he's made have been straight to Netflix, but I don't know of anyone that said like he's a terrible person to work with. Well, I mean, you got, there's something to be said. The fact that Superman Lives was never made, and he named his son Cal. He loves Superman. He just, he's just a huge fan of Superman. Yeah, he loves Superman. So how come he was never Superman? Like, like in the '90s when he should have been Superman, he was never Superman. Well, watch Burton. the documentary. Director, watch the documentary, he, and it'll tell you exactly yeah, why that movie fell nah, apart. Fuck it's that. not tell Nicolas me, Cage. Tell me why. Just, just tell me why. Why did it fall apart? Okay, uh, because the, the the John Peters. Yeah, John Peters is a big factor, but it seems like more like the hairstyle. The, the the studio. Uh, so basically, Nick Cage's movies weren't as successful. He just had, I guess, some failure. Uh, and Tim Burton was kind of his his cachet was falling, and the budget was getting bigger and bigger. And uh, some something else just like just tanked, and, and it hurt Warner Brothers. Actually, a lot of movies yeah. had just tanked and hurt Warner. Something tanked, and it scared them all. And, and they just said, "We can't take this big of risk, and we're just going to shelve this." And 
put her money into something that's a, a lot safer, like a Will Smith-led Wild Wild West movie. It does go fascinating into how John Peters was obsessed with the idea of putting a giant spider in a movie, and that's what he kept forcing yeah. on various directors, yeah. and then that's yeah. that's why yeah. it ends up in Wild Wild West for, for no fucking reason where it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And the yeah. most iconic shot from that failed film is uh, Nicolas Cage with the long hair in that weird suit. Yeah. And that yep. w- that w- that was only going to be a fraction of the movie. That was like his suit evolved throughout the film, and like that's like the one shot that got out that everyone like freaked out about. That's the regeneration but suit where he comes back at the end. He was going to be in the regular iconic Superman suit at some point. Kind of. It has a banana mm-hmm. hammock like red underwear thong. Like the photo of him in the suit that they were going to have him wear for the majority of the movie it looks pretty good, except the underwear is like a weird like. It rides up high like it's a thong, and that's the only part that's wrong about it. It also shows a lot of his chest hair. It's like a low-cut shirt. But he could have shaved that by the time they shot that Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so just real quickly. So Superman Lives was 1996 or would have been around 1996 when that was all going on. And let's just be clear here. So looking at Nick Cage's um, IMDb page, around 1996, he won an Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas in 1995. Then he did The Rock in 1996, Con Air 97, Face Off 97, City of Angels 98. He was hot. He was hot. Snake Eyes 98, 8mm 99, Bringing Out the Dead 99. That's Scorsese. We've already talked about I don't like it, but that was Scorsese nonetheless. So Gone in 60 Seconds is his next film in 2000. So from from 96 on – Okay, so he had great films. So why was there a film in there that fucking so, stopped so, Superman? Something lives? bombed from Warner Brothers. What bombed? I'm look. I just, I just listened to you at blockbusters. Batman oh, and Robin. That Batman and Robin was a big factor, and then it was so it wasn't uh, Nick Cage. Is Nick Cage a box office draw? It was because yeah, that's that's not bad. Right. Yeah, that's it's it. because that's, it. that's not bad. It looks studio, good. I mean, the hair's too long. Yeah. I'm showing good. the photo of him right now. I think someone's yeah. asked. Nolan's showing the photo right now of, of Nick Cage as Superman in the suit, and he looks fantastic. I mean, he does look like he's wearing a fucking Baywatch thong, but he looks fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, other than the long hair, I don't like. There the is that hair. annoying part at the end of the documentary when where John Shep takes that photo and just like wanders Comic Con showing it to people. It's really annoying. Um, yeah, so, oh, really? so it wasn't a matter of the studio not having faith in his ability to pull people in. It was that they didn't have faith mm. in him as Superman. They they thought it was a, a too risky of casting, and they didn't. They thought Tim Burton was too risky yeah. because of Batman Returns, and they they thought the budget was way too high considering what they just lost on Batman uh, and Robin and a couple of other movies. Oh, oh, really? Mercury Rising huh? was one of them with fucking uh, Bruce Willis. That was a huge tank for them. They lost a lot of money. What was the Bruce Willis film? Mer- that the Mercury, money Mercury Rising, where he finds a magical autistic boy who can crack codes and he fights yep, over him. Yep, yep. Did you like that movie, Falk? Shut up. <laughs> um. So Batman was made with thirty-five million, and 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 the budget was thirty-five million, and it ended up making four hundred plus million. And Batman Returns was made with eighty million, and ended up making two hundred and sixty-six million. So I don't understand why Tim Burton was second guessed. And at the time, I just read uh, Nick Cage's uh, filmography. I don't understand why Nick Cage was second guess. I do not understand why Superman Lives never happened. It's a studio, yeah. The studio is going under. Fuck Warner Brothers so fucking hard. That's so dumb. They were paying like insane amount of money to concept artists who were doing stuff like while one guy was doing something, another guy was doing something that was completely different. Like they, they just had money going everywhere. Like it was getting out of hand. 
It was. I mean, even Robert Rodriguez had a $5 million pay-or-play contract. Yeah, which you meant just, you could do nothing and still get $5 million. And that's what Robert Rodriguez watch got. Watch the documentary. It's been a while since I watched it. The movie does a very – the documentary does a very good job of explaining exactly how it failed and why. And, you know, after watching it, you'll either feel that you're we're, we're better or worse for not having seen that movie. Um, I, I think it's probably for the best that it didn't happen, frankly. Well, Did that, the documentary get Wesley Snipes? No. No, uh, it's a shitty documentary as far as I'm concerned then. Okay. All my <laughs> documentaries should have Wesley Snipes in them. Blade. Uh, well, that brings us to a Nicolas Cage-themed yelling at the wall. You were a fool. I think you complain just to hear yourself talk. Yeah, I'll shut you up. Yelling at the wall. Oh, yeah. So tonight's Cool Boy Nation Twitter question was, Cool Boy Nation, would you rather let Nicolas Cage come in your ass or come in your mouth? (laughs) (laughs) This is is tough for me. Well, I think the answer is obvious. Ass? Is it? Mouth. I think mouth's the obvious answer. I think your ass is the obvious answer. You don't have to taste all his, like, you know, his Italian food he just ate. Ron, That's racist towards me. Ron Jeremy specifically said that uh, Ron Jeremy, of all people, really campaigned for a ban of anal cream pies and porn because that is how people get the the HIV. Anal cream pies lead to HIV? Yep. Because your ass is where terrors are going to happen during sex. Yeah, that's it. That's how it, it gets so in I there. Don't, that's how it happens. I don't recall it being Ron Jeremy, but I do recall a porn producer. I don't remember his name, but a very, very substantial porn producer said that he experienced on his sets that the most HIV AIDS like situations occur from anal tears during anal cream pies. Yep. But you can swallow gallons of strangers' cum and pretty much be safe because your stomach uh, acid just kills the bacteria. Nice. Well, how? Well, how many of those people are just like gagging that shit up in the bathroom five minutes after? Uh, a lot of them keep it down. They digest it. It's basically just protein. They being people who swallow <laughs> cum in large. So you're telling me this is just the this is just the protein shake. For the workout tomorrow. There's worse things you can eat in terms of doing damage to your body. Yeah, I think we established that with the Starbucks unicorn. Yeah. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nine ten loads ain't going to fuck up your body anywhere near as much as a gallon of sugar. Why do we get so turned on by someone jizzing in someone's mouth and them swallowing it? I don't know why, but... It's intimate. Honestly, I've never been turned on by that. I, I, I really? think it's best explained by Cameron Diaz in the classic Tom Cruise film Vanilla Sky, which he says, I swallowed your cum. That means something. It summarizes it perfectly. Wow. It means Whoa. something. Wow. That's how, you, that's, that's how you let Tom Cruise know you really love him, and then you drive him off a bridge. That's what happened. Spoilers for Vanilla Sky. Spoilers. That was in the trailers. That was not much of a spoiler. The cum part, I mean. Yeah. She says the cum thing in the trailer. It's the tagline. I saw that with my father when I was like 14. <laughs> so, all right. So, Nolan, cum in your ass or cum in your mouth? Now that you talked about all this age shit, I'd rather just take it in my mouth, swallow it, and get it over with. Fell, how about you? I mean, when I saw this uh, this topic, I was like, well, this is going to immediately bring us to AIDS and how you get it. So, cum in your mouth, of course. All right, and I want AIDS coming my ass. Okay, there we go. <laughs> well, Cool Boy Nation, that brings us to a close of another episode. As always, I'm Felk, and I'm saying goodbye along with 
Ballard Nolan. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Cool Boys Podcast and email us at thecoolboyspodcast at gmail.com. Special thank you to CoAG for the fabulous music we use for the podcast. If you need copyright and royalty-free music for any video production, games, movies, etc., this is the YouTube channel to check out. Email at coagmusic at yahoo.com and paypal coagmusic at gmail.com. Well, this is buy for me. This is buy for me. This is buy for me. We already <laughs> did this part. We're all gay now. Byzies! You are standing American boy. You have excelled in all things. I pump while I dump. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. So cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this episode of the Cool Boys Podcast was brought to you by... Will this make the outro? I'm gonna fuck your ass. <laughs> I, I knew what Ballard was the first time. Like he did something really nice for me, and I, I, I just gave him like thank you, man, and I gave him a hug, and he would not let go of me. <laughs> Get some cool boys. <laughs> <laughs> so serious.